Hey, y'all from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend, dear listeners. This, what, gosh, 1,000th weekend of social distancing. It feels like it's gone on so long. Don't you feel that way? It's gone on so long. If you were like me, you probably feel like you've gotten to the point in this whole social distance, quarantine, stay-at-home moment where it seems like you're out of things to read and watch. If that is you, I'm here to help. We're going back into the archives for this episode to bring back a conversation that offers two recommendations for viewing right now. We're going to share with you now my conversation with Maya Erskine. When we talked last year, she had just released this rom-com called Plus One. It's Maya Erskine alongside Jack Quaid. I like this movie because in some ways it looks like your typical rom-com, but there are many scenes in this film that subvert the entire genre. For instance, this one scene, Maya and Jack's characters, Alice and Ben, they're dressed up all nice, slow dancing with each other at a friend's wedding reception. It looks like these two are falling in love with each other. All right, what do we got? But no. See cuties. Cuties everywhere. Okay, let's see. Alice is trying to be Ben's wingman. Um. Okay, bridesmaid with the braid. All right, you're going to have to spin me out. Okay. Ready? Yeah. And Alice is not your average rom-com heroine. Okay, what about um, uh, green with the glasses? Where? Rotate. Okay. Her? Jeez, God, you like them fresh and young. Look, look. She has normal age. I talked with Maya Erskine last year about this movie, Plus One, and how it flips our idea of the rom-com on its head. And we also talked about Pin 15. This is the Hulu show that may have introduced a lot of you to Maya Erskine. Pin 15 is a totally bananas show. Maya and her co-star, Anna Conkle, they both play teenage versions of themselves on the show. And these two adult women playing children... They painfully and hilariously endure puberty and sexual awakening with fake braces and a lot of awkward. All of that in this Encore chat and more. I hope you enjoy. I want to talk about all of the things. Yes. But I want to start by thanking you for that moment in your movie in which your character says, if I go to your wedding, I don't have to bring you a gift. Right. Uh, What do you think about destination weddings? Do you think that if it's a destination wedding, that's the gift? My presence presence is the the present. Because I'm paying for hotel. I'm paying Mm -hmm. for flights. I'm taking vacation days from work. Exactly. To do your vacation, not my vacation. Thank you. You don't have to give a gift. Literally. But I still do because I feel the guilt. Yeah. Oh, you don't? I gave a gift. So last year I went to, uh, I was supposed to go to six weddings. One got canceled. Drama. But for all five of them. I showed up. No, for one of them, I got the couple uh, tequila of the month for like six months because I love them. That's so. That's the thing. It's like how how much do you love these? How people? much do you love them? And <laughs> Jeff Chan, he's one of the directors. He described it as tears, social tears of his friends. Yeah. He's like, you know, if you're level one, mm-hmm. you're gonna get in the hundred and fifty dollar gift range. Oh yeah. Oh, level yeah. two, yeah, fifty exactly. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, in the back of your head. Half of them will get divorced. I know. Right? <laughs> it's so absurd. Anyways, I just have to get it off my chest. Get it out. Yes. Get it out there. Yes. It feels good. Yes. And so, I mean, what I like about the movie, which we're going to talk about yeah. a lot, is that you kind of poke fun at the marriage industrial 
complex. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk more about that. But first, let's just describe the movie to folks so they know what it is. Plus one. What is it? It's a movie about two friends uh, who are both lonely in their lives and have to go to 12 weddings and they take each other as their plus ones, essentially. And it's a romantic comedy, but um, we also like to describe it as a buddy comedy for the first half of the movie, which turns into a romance. Yeah. Whose idea was the movie? It was Jeff Chan and Andrew Reimer. Um, And I had met, I I was friends with them. I went to NYU, but I didn't know them that well. And Mm -hmm. then they asked me to read some bit parts at the table read. And Uh I fell in love with the script at the time. And uh, and then they asked me to audition for the main part, which was great because I I loved that character. What I appreciate about this movie is mm-hmm. that like it is definitively a rom-com right but it is not allowing the thing that usually happens in rom-coms where the woman just has to be weak to get the man or the woman has right. to be subjugated to the man your character is hornier mm-hmm. and louder mm-hmm. and usually more in control yeah. than the dude yeah and I think that's what was so interesting coming from two men. It wasn't under <laughs> the gaze of a man. Yeah, like it really, yeah. that that was what was so surprising. And I think it's a testament to them and their female friends. Like, mm-hmm. I think they really wrote it with a lot of their friends in mind. And that was the first character that I have ever read in a m- movie mm-hmm. that I would be allowed to audition for where the female is f- messy, <laughs> ugly, <laughs> Dirty, raunchy, drunk, you know, (laughs) and yet also really intelligent and vulnerable and all of these things. So I was like, this is a full person Mm -hmm. and you never get to see that in a romantic comedy. And that's what I loved about it, too, is because it's not trying to chase some idea of perfection, which is always the case oh, yeah. and and so even this relationship is not perfect and this girl is not perfect and, and they acknowledge it yeah did you have when, when I I had wanted to interview for a long time Aww. Uh, and, but when I heard that our interview would be tied to you doing a rom-com I was like her doing a rom-com because like when yeah. you see you in pin 15 yeah I'm not that's anything but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> was there reluctance to do this kind of movie um Yes. Yeah. I mean, because that's not my even though I loved rom-coms growing up. I I mean, there was a a part of me that always wanted to be a lead in a rom-com just because I never saw that as a kid. I never saw that as a possibility. So I wanted to dream like, will I be that person who's (laughs) being fallen in love with? But Uh but yeah, Pen15. Um, is not a. Not <laughs> I mean, a rom-com. It, it's not a rom com. Well, you know it is a love story in some weird way two, between the two yeah, friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's also like a love letter to your younger self in some yeah. way of like you're okay. You're okay. It's you gonna are. be fine. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite rom com? On that note. Um, when Harry Met Sally mm-hmm. is the obvious one. I've yeah. watched that maybe twenty five times and it never gets old. Mm-hmm. And Hannah and her sisters. Oh, I love Hannah and her sisters. Yeah, yeah. Annie Hall. I mean, those are the yeah. the obvious ones, but I can watch those on repeat and never yeah. get old of them. I can do every Julia Roberts one, and mm. I particularly love Which my best yours? friend's wedding. Oh, my best friend's wedding oh, is my just. Oh my god! And she's so wonderful in yes. it. And Rupert Everett. About... Oh my god, is a real star. And do you know that story too? That what? that last scene where he comes in. Uh-huh. That they didn't have that when they first did a test screening of it, and uh-huh. everyone got outraged, and they were like, "He needs to come back." Yes. That is the. And so they wrote. Oh they wrote that scene. I love it. Shot it. Brought him back. And I it's, love it. Oh. 
So on top of your character being good and raunchy, mm-hmm. a lot of the movie is these scenes from like actual real life weddings, right. like toast and like receptions and such. And it's it is poking fun at a lot of the wedding industrial complex, mm-hmm. but it is particularly going after the idea and the art of the toast. Mm-hmm. And your characters deal with that a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it about the toast that y'all were trying to skewer the most? Because you were going for a few things with it. I mean, I think they had gone, uh, this is Andrew Reimer and Jeff Chan, they had gone to a slew of weddings mm-hmm. uh, as they were writing this movie. Really? So every for, like, time prep? they would, yeah, so every, or no, they just happened to have a lot of friends yeah. who were getting married at that age. Yeah. And so they would go and be like, oh, that drunk uncle, okay, that's going in there. That uh-huh. is that is such a, a yeah. thing that happens. Um so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> wedding toasts give me a lot of anxiety. Oh, I actually yeah. have a fear of public speaking, even though I'm an actor. Okay. It's it's a okay. really <laughs> – no, I swear. I get <laughs> – even doing this interview, it's making me sweat. You're um, doing great. You're <laughs> no, doing but there's great. something about – it's a very vulnerable thing to go up there and to – in so many words surmise like the love that's between these two yes. and what if you don't even believe in the love between these two Listen, and you don't half like the, the time the best man and the best lady don't want them to get married exactly and so what do you say in those moments yes. and then you start going too far in the comedy direction mm-hmm. and it's just turning into a roast that's not funny and you've said something too inappropriate yep. yeah. I mean there's just so many things that can go wrong so that's why I love that they did a range of a wedding range. toasts it was so good and it's also a great benchmark like sort of like in when harry met sally you have those interviews with the couples and it sets each part of the movie Mm -hmm. of like okay five years now we're five years later or Mm -hmm. now we're here and with this movie if you notice the toasts are indicators of what the wedding's going to be and what the emotional journey is going to be between alice and ben so like Ah. the first wedding is just anxiety inducing like but it's a big wedding the next one they're on a bus it's raining it's the start of their journey and then I love that they're on the bus singing Third Eye Blind yeah because that is what happened if there's ever a reception with a bus and everyone's oh on the bus God. by the end of the night. It's a camp sing-along. Yes. And it can be fun for some people, but you see that Alice is just in pure <laughs> yeah. pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from there, it then starts to transform and get really mm. pretty and beautiful. And the toasts get better. And then you're in Hawaii. And, uh-huh. you know, it's the perfect bridesmaid saying yeah. the perfect speech. All right, listeners, time for a break. When we come back, there's going to be some discussion about sex. So you probably don't want kids to listen to this part. Uh, You can skip ahead around 14 minutes and and come back after the second break if you want to bypass. All right, BRB. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com Minute to learn more and get 10% off your first month. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at WaltonFamilyFoundation.org. On Bullseye this week, Tina Fey. 
on creating unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, and being the best at everything. There was a window of time when we would just go to awards things and pick up our prizes and party with the people from Mad Men. That's this week on Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. There is this very poignant moment Mm -hmm. near the end of the film where one of the characters is talking with this other character about doubts he has about pursuing a long-term, perhaps lifelong partnership. Mm -hmm. And one character says, how can I know what's best? And know if this person is the best and the right for my whole and and right for me for my whole life. And his friend, who was married and partnered and happy, he says, Mm -hmm. You won't. Right. That really shook me. What I love from hearing, what I love about it is that you hear from a married guy Mm -hmm. who's like, You have to make that decision every day that I want to stay married to you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's a choice every Every single day. day. It doesn't. Because there's not just one person for you, I don't think. Did doing this movie change the way you think about marriage? Yes, mm. I think so. I um, I mean, this is so personal, but Let's I did just go through a breakup. <sighs> and it was one of those things where, okay, he didn't want kids. I want kids uh, eventually. Yeah. And we had to come to that decision together mm-hmm. as people who love each other of like, oh, this is just... We're not. It's not gonna. Happen. It's not gonna happen. We're not gonna be together forever, and uh. that's sad. But that's also okay. So it was yeah. this like really, it was the most mature breakup I've ever had. Really? It's usually him, you know. But yeah. it's it was um, coming to that realization. I was like, oh right, it doesn't. It you first, didn't fail. I didn't fail, and I and I and I. It changed my view of having a forever. It kind of got mm. me excited about just having multiple relationships and not needing it to last forever. Mm. And I think as a kid, of course, I'm going to idealize and have because I watch all the Disney movies mm-hmm. and all of that. But um, I don't know how my life is going to turn out. It's also interesting because I grew up with my parents are still together. They're Aww. still very much in love. So Aww. that also has messed me up um, <laughs> because it's put it on a pedestal. Like, I don't yeah. know if I'll ever have that, but I don't think that's a problem. I think it's also OK if I end up alone yeah. and I'll fall in love probably a bunch of times. Yeah. And I'm OK with that. That is a very good and balanced and even killed perspective. <laughs> you know, and like this is my thing, like. I feel uh-huh. peaceful about this, and it's going to be fine no matter what. And then you try to feel that way all the time. Oh, no, it's not. But then you go to your friend's wedding, and you're like... I know. Or I haven't like, been to a wedding in a while, so we'll see if <laughs> that it, changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like you just see, you know, a rom-com, and you're like, oh, I could, should I, do I, what? <laughs> it's, it's hard yeah. to stay grounded when totally. thinking about these things because the culture is constantly telling you... Find your one. Find mm-hmm. your one. And also just with the dating apps and oh everything. I mean, it's it's in your face at all times. Oh, but yeah. that's why I think maybe because I'm just in the phase where I'm like liberated from yeah. a relationship. So yeah. I'm kind of I'm like, hey, free and excited. Yeah. But um, I feel like it'd be hard to stay in a relationship because there's so much distraction oh, right yeah. now. It's oh, just yeah. a, it's a constant. Oh, yeah. How do you? Oh, yeah. Well, and that scares me. It also gives you an inflated confidence because right. you swipe on everything on that app mm-hmm. and you think you have a chance with all of them. You don't. No, you don't. 
Also, I've swiped yes on like a hundred people and gotten two matches. That is that has <laughs> happened to me a lot. <laughs> you need to like put your name and your credits in the photo. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, it's pretty. Yeah, it's brutal um (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go real personal here now but like hearing you say that you want kids and also hearing you say you have this really balanced perspective about partnership whether it happens or not does the reality of a clock ticking yes okay absolutely i mean i'm I'm having women tell me constantly get your eggs frozen Uh and i've gone to doctors and they're like you don't need to how old are you so i'm 32 i mean i want to say you have time but i don't know i'm a man but but I hear conflicting thoughts. Oh, yeah. Some people say I have time. Some people say I don't. So yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to take it day by day and also know that I don't want to put shots in my ass right now just to <laughs> get all those hormones. I'm not there yet. So yeah. maybe next year. But it's true that you don't want to have that in the back of your head every time you're meeting a guy. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to have that pressure. So if that were to alleviate that, then yeah. maybe I would do it. But yeah. It's hard. Well, also, like, Michelle Obama had them kids when she was, what, 40? I know. A lot of women have had that. Yes. My mom had me when I when she was 40. Oh, wow. But I've also smoked for a lot of years, so I don't know if that's <laughs> It's gonna... <laughs> fine. It's fine. And also, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's, yeah. Yeah, I have to adopt that mentality, yeah. too. I can't yeah. force it. But yeah. um, it is scary to, to meet women, you know, with a lot of experience saying, I've gone through 10 years of IVF. Oh if God. you don't do this, oh you will regret it. So, oh, yeah. It's Those so thoughts are in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your time at NYU. Mm-hmm. You met your Pin 15 co-star, Anna Conkle, yes. in the experimental theatrical wing? Yeah, well, we actually met in Amsterdam, and it was okay. the international theater <laughs> wing. <laughs> and it was experimental, and it was this uh, really intense, amazing program. But Anna and I bonded at first because we're both perfectionists and have mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. around performing mm-hmm. and doing well. And mm-hmm. um, that program was really intense because you had to, to come up with mini three-act plays in 10 minutes and then perform them. And I, God, I mean, it was a, like really intense. And for me, I would hide in my room. And, you know, it's Amsterdam, so everyone's smoking weed also. Uh-huh. And I would get really high by myself and freak <laughs> out. And people would knock on the door. And I'm like, I'm not here. <laughs> um, and so we met and uh, in a moment of anxiety and became best friends and then also realized we shared a s- similar sense of humor okay. and we both are over sharers so Love we it. we would just share a lot of things that were shameful uh things that we felt ashamed about um and that were secrets and found humor in a lot of the pain so then the two of y'all end up working together mm-hmm. to make Pin 15, which I'm not going to make you talk about because you've no. talked about it before and the Terry Gross interview was amazing. And like, oh, but I do want to talk about where I feel that show falls into a certain moment that the culture is having. And I guess one, for those living under a rock, Pin 15 mm-hmm. is this comedy all about two 13-year-old girls figuring out puberty and middle school and life and love but the catch is you and Anna play the 13-year-old girls 
but everyone else in the cast is like actual 13 year olds. Yes. Did I say it right? Yeah, perfect, perfect. And we're 30 year olds. Yes. 32, yeah. But y'all really do a good job of like becoming 13. You get a bowl cut. (laughs) She puts braces on her perfect teeth. Yeah, perfect teeth. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect teeth. And then like you look 13. But I feel like this show does a good job of showing teenagers, 13 year olds, having their sexual awakenings. Mm. And there are other shows that are doing it right now, too, like like Big Mouth, like mm-hmm. the movie Eighth Grade. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I was a kid, I wasn't seeing that. Yeah, it's interesting when it all happens at the same time right? because I think it's indicative of society being ready yeah. to, to yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, we had started making this six years ago, so I remember that being a big conversation for us of why have we not seen this other than you know, we say this all the time, but Welcome to the Dollhouse was one mm. of the only things I had seen of a a 13-year-old girl going through mm-hmm. trauma in a real way, but mm-hmm. also like sexuality in, mm-hmm. in a real way. But I think it was really scary for me, especially the masturbation episode. Yeah. If I didn't have Anna and Sam to tell me that it was okay to to just we go for name it, Sam is. oh, Sam is the third creator. Sam Zwiebelman. Mm-hmm. he's our, also a really good friend. Nice. Um, if I didn't have Sam and Anna to <laughs> encourage me to to go there, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have had the balls to put it out there yeah. because I think, which is also really sad that that I would have the fear to talk about something that actually is really normal for and, everybody. Yeah, and and because when I was growing up I only saw men that were in high school jerking off and joking about it and oh, it yeah. being really funny and mm-hmm. it being really silly and gross and and no girl at my age would talk about yeah. it. There was no American pie for girls. No. No. And it's still there's still no real American Pie for girls. I mean, I think Booksmart is maybe yeah. becoming that, but yeah. there's no, and it's not just about being raunchy, but it's like, let's just show the reality that like some girls are doing this and it's gross, but it's also funny and it's yeah. also really shameful it, and real and 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 uncomfortable. And, and complicated. Really complicated. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's why Maya's turned on by sand dunes and rotten apple cores. It doesn't make <laughs> sense, but it's just. Yeah. Yeah. S- yeah. You know. And the way that y'all express these 13 year olds coming into their sexuality, it really only works because y'all are actually 31 and we know that. Right. Like, there's a scene in which your character in Pin 15, she like begins to have the stirrings mm-hmm. and there's this close-up shot of her bottom parts mm-hmm. through so like, underwear yeah. throbbing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this is hilarious, but thank God she's 31. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, <laughs> I think, always the concept just from the beginning of we can't, if we want to explore these R-rated themes, if we want to explore it in an authentic way, mm-hmm. we cannot place kids in those roles <laughs> or in those positions. It. Yeah. Um, it gets complicated, of course, when we're dealing with like first kisses and things like that, but we, you know, use body doubles and, and but I think that is one of the reasons we another reason we wanted to have adults in those roles is because the audience can feel safe watching yes. it also by the way those those lips are not my real lips just so you know <laughs> how did y'all 
Get the throb. It's, oh, it's amazing. So uh, props team are incredible. We found um, labia underwear. Wait. I shouldn't call it labia underwear. What does it's, that even um, mean? It's camel toe underwear. So pe- it people- It comes with the camel toe? Look it up on Amazon. You can, on Who Amazon, would? people, I don't know, to wear under leggings sometimes. I think people like camel toe. To give themselves toe. a- Yes. To give some- I am shooketh. Yep. So that you can get, you put place it over your underwear and it creates a perfect camel toe. Oh so, but that wasn't enough, right? We wanted it to to pulse. So, the did you gu- motorize it? The guys who who uh, worked on Swiss Army Man helped create this pump that we thought we were, they had attached balloons to it and we thought those were going to be the lips, but it was way too big. So instead we put it under the the camel toe underwear oh and God. so it just pumped it. Oh my God. So we have a girl on the corner, you know, just pumping, pumping it your- as we're doing a close up. Oh my God. Yeah. And that was filmed in the first week. So people were freaked out. They had no idea yeah. what they were getting into. Yeah. yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Were there any sex scenes for your and Anna's characters that you were like, actually, we can't do? Anything that got cut? Um, you didn't tape? There were things that we didn't tape okay. because there were things. Um, we had made a pilot presentation before we made this show. Mm-hmm. And in that, Maya's character gets fingered. And that was something that we were wondering, are we going to have in this first season? Mm-hmm. And instead, it ended up being that my and Anna get felt up um, mm-hmm. and that the fingering was too far for this first season. But the thing is, we don't want to shy away from those things because that happened. That actually happens. Yeah. You know? And so, but it's really complicated yeah. because we're working with kid kid actors. So we don't want to ever place them in those positions and... So there are thoughts of, are we going to have adult actors play some of these roles? And and we definitely did not want to do that in the first season yeah. just because I think it would have muddied up the show mm-hmm. and the voice mm-hmm. because it's through my and Anna's perspective. Mm-hmm. So to have them as the only adults was important, I yeah. think, to set up the world. But yeah. then maybe in the second season we can change the rules. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Time for one more break here. When we come back, the heartbreaking true story from Maya's childhood that wound up in Pin 15. And the one thing she changed about that story when she told it on screen. All right, BRB. Support for NPR comes from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. A rabbi, an Arab, and a comedian, all with COVID-19, walk into a luxury hotel. There was a Zumba class, old, young, religious, secular, Arab, Jewish. I was like, where am I? It's the Hotel Corona on NPR's Rough Translation. From what I've read, Pin 15 is pretty true to life for the two of you and your upbringing. But there are some things that have been edited in posts. You could say, Mm -hmm. and there's one moment, one episode in which this happens, and I want to kind of talk through it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a Spice Girls episode. Yeah. Uh, I guess one, we should set up the episode and what happens to your character, and then tell me what changed between how that happened for you in real life and how it happened on the show. Okay. Well, so... Sorry, I gave you a lot to do. No, no, no. (laughs) So the episode is called Posh, and... The setup is that Maya and Anna have to do a school project and um, 
uh, I think it's for science and it's about osteoporosis and the popular <laughs> girls dress up as Spice Girls um, who drink milk and... <laughs> Or no, first it's, they're Spice Girls, but they're old. And if they drink milk, then they'll get strong bones and can kick and sing like the Spice Girls. So Also, sidebar, all that is a product of Big Dairy lying to us. You can get the <laughs> vitamins you need to stay healthy without milk. Can you believe that? They have condos. Did you grow up drinking milk? Yeah, and I just realized my whole life I've been lactose intolerant. <laughs> you know? IBS, they yeah. They played us. Mm-hmm, they played us. They played oh, us. Yeah. Anyway, they're still We're still being played yes, by other yes. things. Um, but yeah, so the popular girls come over and they're three other white girls. And when they're going around deciding who's going to be what Spice Girl, Maya says she wants to be posh. And they say, no, you're scary because you're like tan. Wow. And then Maya right after um, looks in the mirror and for the first time sort of realizes that she doesn't look like her other friends. Mm. And I remember that moment for me. Really? Um, when I went over, and I, I talked about this, but when I went over to my friend's house and we were all putting eyeliner on, mm-hmm. and when they put it on, their eyes looked really beautiful. Wow. And when I put it on, it just like covered my whole eye. But your eyes are so beautiful too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yes. But I think it was the. D- just the difference n- clocking the difference mm-hmm. and them clocking the difference and being like oh i'm not white because because yeah. i had been surrounded by white yeah. kids so that i didn't understand how i was different yeah um so well, that and was then like parents do that thing where they want to shelter from that as long as they can right right and so like a lot of parents aren't sitting down with like eight-year-olds saying just so you know you're gonna be different right right you know? no and i think when i was a kid my mom said that i was it was something to be proud of my my japanese side when mm-hmm. i was in elementary school you mm-hmm. know she would bring sushi and all the kids would be really excited <laughs> and things like that yeah. and then it was as soon as i hit middle school that it became a huge identity crisis that's for when me. the kids get mean yeah and so and then I started to get embarrassed about mm. that side of myself. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so I think what happened in reality was that I was friends with popular girls and I was sort of their jester and I played into mm. certain Asian stereotype characters mm. because it made them laugh. Mm. And we wanted to show that and not villainize those girls also because they didn't know better. They didn't know better. And it is up but they didn't th- i mean it's up because they're they're putting me down like that yeah. is isn't great but but they didn't understand what they were saying like oh, and yeah. the further you know uh consequences yeah. of what that could well, do to me what happens in the show yeah is that anna's character mm-hmm. sees this injustice right and she tries to intervene and teach the white folks a lesson you can set it up yeah no that was perfect (laughs) I mean she tries to essentially solve racism which is (laughs) so Anna's character and so naive and that was I mean this was a really complicated episode to Mm. write we did so many rewrites Mm. Um, so Anna because she grew up um, in a really progressive family Mm -hmm. very liberal but she was schooled when she was in college um, because she used to say, like, we're all the same, you know, mm-hmm. we're all treated the same. Mm-hmm. And she had a black friend who said to her, no, but we're not like that's the that's the <laughs> like, thing. Literally. We're actually not. Yeah. Um, 
And so that was interesting to have her try to do something good but be schooled herself. Yeah. But the one thing we changed that Mm. I didn't realize till later was that we have Anna say, I'm so sorry because I don't know what it's like to be you. And I don't know. And I just don't know. And I never got that acknowledgement from my Mm. friends. I've never. No, no acknowledgement whatsoever. It wasn't talked about. The differences weren't talked about. Like mm. it wasn't, or the pain that came with it. Just be like, that's weird, or that's messed up. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't any real, wow. Like, mm. yeah. no one really saw me. Like there was no seeing. Yeah. You know, there was no acknowledgement, and there was no. Th- that's all I needed to hear, probably. Yeah. So in a way, it was like. I did get to have some closure. Through the episode. Mm-hmm. Thinking back on those friends that couldn't see all of you, does it still hurt? Yeah, it does. And I, I was so surprised by that. I mm. mean, even talking about it now, I feel like I could cry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was what was so... We thought that the episode was, um, especially the, the Spice Girls scene, mm-hmm. even though it sounds messed up now to say that we thought it was going to be funny, but we we thought it was going to be more comedic mm. and we wanted it to be both. But on the day filming it, I mean, I also had my young family, um, th- my cousin's children came uh, by and they're oh. a quarter Japanese. And they were watching this. And scene. they were watching. And after I had filmed the first part and I was trying to go up to them to explain what the scene was, I just started breaking down because I was looking into these young, innocent eyes, Mm -hmm. like a younger version of myself Mm -hmm. almost, and having to explain that to them. I was like, oh, God. Well, you have Um, to say to them, like, you're going to enter this world in which, like, this will happen. Yeah. And they were like, but are you popular? Why Why aren't you popular? I was like... <sighs> I'm, yeah. I'm not yeah. <laughs> in this yeah. and it was interesting um, well this is the thing that's so hard because like as a person of color mm-hmm. you can of course have close friendships with white people mm-hmm. or people who aren't you Yeah. but there's that moment in which you have to explain to them that there's some stuff they'll never get yeah and I think there's a lot of folks who consider themselves allies mm-hmm. who think that if they love you enough and if right. they listen to you enough, they will get it all. And then they can be your warrior. Mm-hmm. And part of it is explaining to folks who actually care about you right. that they can't do everything. Right. And that it's in some moments, all that they can do is just listen. <sighs> yeah. Like That's all they can do. That's it. And that's hard because mm-hmm. like people want to problem solve. Yeah. But, like, sometimes the fix is just shutting up. It is shutting up because I think a lot of the fixing, though, is also not listening because yes. it's just jumping straight uh-huh. to, okay, this is how we We're can. We're going to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, they're, and, and they're in this benevolent way centering their whiteness. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah. And they mean so, they mean well. I know. Bless them. I know. You know? But it's complicated. Gosh, now I'm thinking about it is, I, yeah, friends of mine from back friends? in the day. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like if you could talk to the other Spice Girls that were in your life doing your wrong um, in middle school, what would you say to those girls now? Oh, <laughs> I'll cry. <laughs> it's okay. Whatever. I'm, I'm about to cry too. It's fine. Yeah. Um, see, I don't know what I'd say, and that's why I make – 
art <laughs> because I <laughs> don't you know. Say. Yeah. It does. Like, I don't know how I'd put it into words. I still don't have the answer yeah. to that. The thing that's hard, though, is when it's something when you're in middle school, like you don't you don't think you were that person. Oh, so yeah. that's the other thing is yeah. that if I were to say that was you, I think they'd be like, They'd no. be crushed. Yeah, but the or they'd ones. be like, that wasn't me. I never <laughs> yeah. felt that way. Or yeah. I never said those things. Yeah. I loved you, you know? Yeah. Um, so that would be really interesting. What would a pin 15 look like if it were set in 2019? Because, like, the internet and smartphones have changed everything. I, I couldn't write that show, I think. <laughs> and I think that's why we had to set it in our time. Yeah. Because we didn't want the influence of that. Because yeah. it just also complicates oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, I also think it would look a lot darker. I mean, mm. I if I had social media at that age, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have survived Really, me personally, I yeah. don't just to see the constant comparing mm-hmm. for one. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing all these bodies and images of like Kendall Jenner and this just the the impossible to achieve yeah. looks. Well, they're robots. Robots, right. They have augmented their bodies to where they're like part cyborg. Right. And then they just say, I just drink celery juice and have a good <laughs> diet. And so girls are like, that's all I have to do yeah. to look like that. Yeah. Um. So that's really damaging. And then... The other thing is when you were in middle school at my time, you didn't always know if you were being left out. Like mm-hmm. if people had a sleepover and you weren't invited, sometimes you found out. But on Instagram, you now you all. can see it all. You see it all. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. It's I so mean. Yeah. Have, yeah. Do you know what the kids do now? What? To invite people to parties, they make an Instagram account. And you know that you've been invited if they let you follow that account. Oh. Oh, God. So you can request to follow and then get denied. Yep. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And it's not. And the account is an account. So you don't know which person in the cool club was saying no to you. Oh, no. It's Oh, no. Hard. Oh, no. It's and hard. I heard about Finstas for the first time. Oh, yeah. The fake Insta. All of it. It is. I'm starting now just to feel old. I'm like, I, I, just, yeah. I can't do it. Because it's not just Instagram. It's like there's many facets oh, to yeah. the world now, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, like that. That's it's, it's insane. Is season two going to get darker? I've heard it might. Um. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. So we just started the writer's room okay. Monday. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, and we're trying, you know, we're just putting up a bunch of ideas up on the board. And... It's funny because right now it's starting off really light. Okay. Even though it ended in a dark place, we never yeah. want to shy away from that, but we also yeah. don't want it to lose some of the joy that yeah, it, it has. And the humor. It's, it's got to be both, I yeah. think. So, yeah. um, we will explore darker themes just because uh, Anna Anna's parents are divorced. So, how mm-hmm. does that uh, affect her in the house if they stay together mm-hmm. in the house being divorced? Yeah. Um, you know, we want to explore more mature content. Yeah. So I think sex, drugs, a lot of things that get introduced, you know, yeah. later on in seventh grade or eighth grade. Yeah. This was such a fulfilling, heartwarming chat. Yes. I thank you thank so much. You. And congrats on the movie and all the other good stuff coming your way. Thank you. That experimental theater, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Maya Erskine. Plus One is out right now. And all the episodes of season one of Pin 15 are streaming on Hulu right now. And that show has been renewed for a second season. Okay, that's a wrap for today's show. 
Come back in this feed next Tuesday for a very fun conversation with the actress Yvonne Orji. Yes, Yvonne Orji, Molly on HBO's Insecure. Okay, this week the show was produced by Anjali Sastry, Janae West, Andrea Gutierrez, and Hafsa Fatima. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our VP of Programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of Programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Till next time, stay safe, stay home, wash your hands, and be nice. Okay, talk soon.